Hey everyone, it's Luis DeLeon. I'm recording this right now from my balcony here in North Austin in my apartment. Um, we have another new episode for you guys today. I know it's been a while here in Austin Soccer Pod, and I hope you all are staying uh, healthy. Hope you're staying well. Chris Bills, of course, always getting the good interviews, this time with the president of the Elite Clubs National League, ECNL. It's a development platform for youth elite female athletes. Um, of course, big time in soccer. We'll continue to do our best to uh, bring you guys the latest content in the soccer world throughout Austin and uh, throughout Central Texas. So enjoy. So, so Christian, I don't know if you could kind of lay out for me uh, that Texas conference. It sounds like you guys are going to be at 10 teams for the 2020, 2021 once we get uh, assuming we can get going uh, with that. Can you kind of take me behind the scenes a little bit of those decisions and, um, you know, the, Austin specifically with Sting being the, the club and, and obviously, um, you know, Lone Star's got a big, big presence, but uh, I know there's been some interesting discussions there and I don't know if you could take me behind uh, your side of those discussions a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, if you're talking on the, on the girls specifically, you know, my first comment is we're still working through everything. So we have not closed, you know, our membership decisions. We're, you know, we made some announcements today. We have more meetings uh, next week as far as a, as far as a board goes. And we're constantly um, talking through what to do. The, the reality is that this, the decision for the DA to, to be ended caught us by surprise to a large degree as much as, uh, anyone else in the landscape and so uh, we our membership process usually typically uh, conversations start in January mm -hmm. as we start looking towards the next season and what changes we want to make and that includes not just membership but structure and programming and assessment of what's going well what's needed um, and so it's a pretty wide-ranging uh, discussion and we were well along that when COVID-19 stuff started to change everything and then we had to shift gears on you know first was hey what, what does this mean for us now but also what does this mean for the future structure of the league and how lack of travel or reduced travel may change things and then obviously you add the da onto it so mm -hmm. all of those things are i guess is a long-winded way of saying there's a lot of factors and variables that we're considering right now uh, we're certainly not in a position where we're going to be adding dozens more clubs mm -hmm. so We'll probably, uh, we'll, we may, I should say, we may add uh, a few more clubs across the country. Um, mm -hmm. And that decision will be made here in the coming weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, Texas is one of the areas that we're trying to figure out what, what is the right number of clubs, what is the right density of clubs in cities, um, and, and kind of put that all into the bigger picture as well and the sort of capacity challenge we, challenges we have in, in, in the league overall. When it comes to Lone Star specifically, how do you kind of view where they're at right now, um, you know, with the DA ending and, and they're, um, you know, I've been told by several people that there's been discussions about them trying to get back in ECNL on the girls' side. And, um, you know, is that a possibility at this point or, you know, where do things stand with Lone Star? Yeah, we've been talking. I mean, I've been talking to Brian Monahan there, mm -hmm. who's the, the director, and I think Brian, Brian says hi. By the way, <laughs> he's a good guy. So yeah. if you can quote me on that, that would be great. <laughs> I like Brian. I think Brian's come in and done a lot of positive things at Lone Star. 
Um, and so we've been talking to them. Obviously, you know, we've had conversations on, on both sides, the boys and the girls with a variety of people at Lone Star. It's obviously a very, very big club. There's, there's not very many cities in the country where one club has such a big presence mm -hmm. uh, in the city as, it, as Lone Star has had in Austin. So um, obviously a couple of years ago, they went uh, the direction of the DA with their girls program. And mm -hmm. now, and, and again, it was no fault of their own that the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath them. On yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. trying to figure it out. And we're trying to figure out, you know, if, if, and if, if we can do it and does it make sense for us to do this now? I mean, I've said to multiple people that um, this whole process is going to take a few playing cycles to, mm -hmm. to filter out. So, and part of that's due to the, you know, not just the DA, but the, the coronavirus impact. Um, you know, if, if we can get clubs out training and at least feeling like they're back on a field during the summer, then you get probably get a fairly normal fall season in terms of conference play or localized play. Um, and if that goes well, then obviously we start, we start uh, moving, moving forward on that. But when, when it looks at membership, you know, you have 50 some ad clubs in the country that were in the DA now that are, that are looking for a place to play. And not all of them are gonna end up in the place they want or mm -hmm. in the place they feel like they should especially because of the timing and the other circumstances. Now that will fix itself over the course of 12 months, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, because there's going to be decisions that you try and make and you get wrong. There's going to be capacity issues where you just can't make a decision. Um, and then that'll, I think, filter out because ultimately it's to everybody's interest that we get the best playing the best, the middle, the middle and the bottom, the bottom. And mm -hmm. we get that um, as efficiently as we can. But it's, it's not going to magically fall into that right now. And quite honestly, if you had 10 people and you asked them how to do it, you'd get 10 different answers. Do you envision any scenario in which Lone Star is playing in any CNL on the girls' side during the 2020-2021 cycle? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't answer that question because, you know, I, I'm one member of a board. Mm -hmm. and the board has to make decisions um, as a group. And Austin is one market. Mm -hmm. And... It, a decision in Austin does potentially have a dis, an impact in a different market mm -hmm. because of the overall capacity challenges we have as a league. Right. So not like we're sitting here and saying, man, we have 40 spots or 20 spots and we can do everything we want. Right. Uh, we have to be very careful because we don't have that many. And so a decision in one place by necessity may mean that uh, a decision that we would want to make in another city, we can't. Is there enough talent in Austin to have two top level clubs? Multiple, multiple top level clubs. Uh, you probably have a lot of different answers on that. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a topic that I think has been debated for decades is my, yeah, you know, and you know, again, it's Austin is unique in some ways with, with this, the history of Lone Star, but that, that question of how many clubs in, in what size market, is one of the most difficult questions to answer. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll add to that, that competition is a good thing. So we don't, we don't wanna look at it and say, well, we're, we're creating uh, territories or fiefdoms or anything like that in the market. Because in the same way that um, you would say that players competing for starting spots is good for their development and for the team, clubs competing to do a better job is good for the game. 
So, you know, when you look at Austin and you say how many, how many uh, elite level players there are, um, I, it's, hard, it's hard for me to answer that in terms of mm -hmm. density of team, but I, I would suggest that if every club in the country spent more time and did a better job of coaching and developing their own players, then there'd be less conversations about how much density there would be mm -hmm. for a club. Mm -hmm. And uh, when it comes to Sting, I know they're a fairly new entity in Austin. Um, how have you kind of viewed their, their growth in, in this market specifically uh, with what they've done uh, having an ECNL platform? Now, well, Sting, Sting as, a, as an entity is obviously one of the most successful mm -hmm. girls soccer clubs really in the history of soccer uh, mm -hmm. on the women's side. Um, so, you know, they have great leadership. They have um, a great platform and history of development and success. And there, I, I believe Austin Sting is probably in the third, this might've been the fourth year. Um, I'm not sure, uh, three or four years. So uh, it's always hard to start something new. It's very difficult to start something new in a city where there is so much establishment as well. And mm -hmm. that's a credit to Lone Star in, mm -hmm. in terms of how well they've built the infrastructure and in their club and in that city. And uh, it's a, a compliment to staying that they've put a flag down and said, hey, we want to develop soccer players. We want to be a part of this city and this soccer uh, environment as well. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's, you can look at an evaluating a soccer club in a million different ways, mm -hmm. right? Wins and losses is one way um, that a lot of people do it. I think at a youth level, the most important way you should develop, uh, you should uh, evaluate a soccer club is how much do the players that are there improve? Mm -hmm. Because anybody can win games when you're given the best players and you're going to lose games when you don't. Mm -hmm. But can you take a player from this level and move them to a significantly high, higher level? And that's ultimately where I would like to see more conversations in this country mm -hmm. um, because you're not a great coach because you have great players. You're a great coach when you make players significantly better. Yeah. What do you say to folks in Austin who feel like um, Kenny Medina's place on the board um, has had an impact on whether our Lone Star is at the table right now as far as BCNL goes on the girls' side? Yeah, I would say absolutely not. I mean, our organization, mm -hmm. our board uh, is, includes elective representatives from all over the country, and the board makes the decision as a board. Mm -hmm. And people that are in a in the market or in the region or in the area, however you frame it, certainly have um, information or perspective on a market that is different. But we are we are very clear, um, and I remind our board of this all the time that this is not when we're in Texas, it's not Kenny's decision. Mm -hmm. And any way that we're in, if we're in a different region, it's not that person's decision. First of all, I don't think any of those guys would want that. Mm -hmm. um, because I can only imagine the amount of uh, app, you know, tomatoes that'd be thrown at their house all the time. How many members? How many members do you have on your board? Uh, I believe it's twelve. Uh huh. One for each region, and then uh, we have we have eight eight conference representatives, uh -huh. a one at large representative, and then three appointed people. Okay. Uh, and then I just wanted to give you a chance to respond to that. Cause I've heard that from several people. No, listen, it's a, listen, we hear that all the time when clubs, uh -huh. I was, I, I think probably two or three times today, I was just talking to clubs and saying, you know, ult ultimately no club in our league has veto power. Mm -hmm. and if you 
look at there's a lot there's a lot of cities where we have multiple clubs where there i mean i was talking to somebody today in seattle we have five clubs in seattle mm -hmm. so um we've proven that we will put multiple clubs in a city but you know you asked a question earlier about hey how many how many clubs in this market and that mm -hmm. that is a discussion in every market and it's it's hard and if you look at the performance yeah. of clubs and say where are there clubs that are lighting it up out of the park and say if a club is winning consistently winning national championships or at the highest level there's probably something good in that market to start with because you don't do that coming out of small towns like uh you know in in where there's more cows than there are soccer players couple questions I've been asking everybody I've talked to this week, and I don't know if you would have an opinion on this or, you know, want to share your thoughts, but, um, you know, how can Austin be a leader at this moment in, in U.S. youth soccer? I think uh, that's a good question. Um, but I think any, any city or I would say any group of soccer leaders in a city can do a, have a huge impact if they find more ways to work together. And if they spend more time supporting development and supporting um, kids finding the right spot and less time trying to recruit each other's players or chop each other's knees, I would say that about every market in the country. I think that's a good answer. Yeah, um, I've gotten a lot of different ones. Uh, and then what do you hope comes of of this uh, restructuring and pause? Uh, you know, are there one or two areas that, that you feel like your um, organization is really focused on maybe making some, some changes or at least addressing some issues that you've seen over the, the, the years since, since you were founded? Yeah, well, I, I mean, we're constantly reassessing what mm -hmm. we do well, what we need to do more of, what we don't do well. That, you know, that's a constant process that we go through. But I think specific to this time and where we, when I look forward over the next couple of years, one, we want to have a more transparent pathway into the league mm -hmm. so that um, there's, these are decisions that are not made based on paper applications and discussions and meetings, but they're made with more information of what's happening on the field. Um, two, we're trying to build out a second uh, tier, which we call the ECNL regional leagues, which is a place for, clubs that may be struggling at the highest level to drop down into and clubs that want to be in the league uh, to be kind of a proving ground where we know the level of competition because that's another thing right now that's really difficult if you look around because so many teams don't even play each other anymore and when they do play you're not sure who's whose kids are playing is it is this a game that they're playing to win is this a game where they're resting players all that sort of stuff so there's, it's important to have a proving ground where you know the level of play. Mm -hmm. So that ability to kind of move up and down is, is, is an important one. And then I think with that comes a reduction in the sort of recruiting wars based on league spots or recruiting wars based on whatever else goes on. I mean, I really think if we did, I've said to our, our, our clubs at multiple meetings in, in, in the last couple of years that if we do a better job in coach education and coach development, so we're constantly developing the best players, then it doesn't matter what anybody else does, whether you put on their, your hat as a club or as a league or almost anything in soccer. If you're doing a great job on the field, then you're always going to have players, teams, and organizations and options. Mm -hmm. And then uh, on the boys' side, um, 
what are you doing uh, to, or maybe I should start here, like uh, what went into, you know, the decision to, to have, uh, from your end, to have Lone Star be able to have two, uh, you know, clubs in, in, on the boys' side, one in the north, one in the south, and, and how are you kind of viewing uh, Austin on the boys' side as a market right now? Um, well, one thing generally we think the boys' player pool nationally is multiple times bigger and deeper than the girls. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just a starting point when we look at the mm -hmm. country in boys' soccer. Obviously, we had Lone Stars uh, teams that were non-DA teams, mm -hmm. uh, and those teams have done well. And I think that also speaks to the depth of the player pool on the boys' side. There are kids that what maybe didn't make, make the Lone Star DA teams or chose not to play there because they wanted to play high school soccer, for example. And in our league, those teams have done very well over the last several years. And so when Lone Star uh, started asking about potentially moving over their, what were their DA teams, which were generally their higher level teams, even if there were players that chose not to play um, to, and just move into the ECNL, one, we knew the level of the team in the league, and this we knew that this level would, in theory, be even a step above that. And two, the kids that were in the league had done a very good job, and they deserved to stay in the league. And we didn't want to uh, put a club in a spot where you say, well, yeah, we'd love to have those, but you need to drop all those other players that have worked very hard to get where they got. Uh, and then again, when you look at loans, you know, the number of players and the depth of, of uh, Lone Star's pool, especially on the boys' side in Austin, um, it seemed like a good decision to make. And yeah. uh, we hope it remains that way. Um, is it ultimately up to the club which players end up on which team, uh, you know, when you're talking about a north-south division? Or or does the league – does ECNL step in at some point? No, that, that's up to the club. What we do in that regard is say once the rosters are set for the year, there's no movement between north and south. Mm -hmm. so that you can't kind of manipulate uh, competition. Mm -hmm. So there's a roster freeze with no exceptions in that. The players can move up and down age groups in their program, but a North program player can't transfer to a South program player or vice versa at any point. And then we have a requirement that the, the games between those two teams have to happen very early in the season mm -hmm. so that they're done before you have sort of a, a series of results and where that game would have some pressure on it to go one way or the other. And then one last question that I just thought of on the, on the girls side, but you know, if, if a scenario presents itself where Lone Star, because they're like, you, like you've said, they are established. And if, if there aren't a lot of girls in the market that end up leaving Lone Star for, for Sting specifically and, and Sting struggles this year, um, will that, will that kind of force, you know, the ECNL's hand to, to allow Lone Star back in and you know, how does that play out? Well, ultimately, ultimately our job is to make sure we have the best clubs in the country in the league. Mm -hmm. and, and that sounds very easy. There's a lot more that goes into how you build a league and structure a league and operate in the league. So that'll be sustainable as is clear from obviously what just happened with the development Academy, but ultimately it's our job to be in a league. And I, I you know, I was, I was told, and this is unrelated to, to, Austin and Lone Star in your market, but in another conversation recently where somebody said, um, if we don't, you know, if this club is not accepted into your league, they're going to lose all their players in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And my answer was, 
if a club is going to lose a vast amount of players over mm -hmm. a league spot, there's a bigger problem in the club than the league spot. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately a club with a strong culture, leagues don't develop soccer players, mm -hmm. clubs develop soccer players. And so ultimately there are clubs that are not in the league now that are going to do a great job, even not being in the ECNL and they're going to keep getting better and better and better. And they're going to get into the ECNL. Mm -hmm. um, and if there are clubs in the league that don't do a good job and they can't meet the standard of competition, then part of the reasons to have a second tier is to be able to move those clubs down to something, not just cast them into the wilderness mm -hmm. um, and give them a pathway potentially back. So ultimately it's our, it's our obligation and it's our job to, to, to be the best league in the country. We have to make sure that one, we have the best clubs and two, we provide a pathway for the next up and coming club to have the ability to get here and not for them to be constantly off, off, uh, off in the environment. I think that's everything from my end. Uh, you know, I'll open the floor to you if there's anything else you wanted to touch on. No, those are a lot of questions and so pretty targeted. <laughs> So. <laughs> I've had a lot of conversations. I've, uh, I told everyone that I've talked to this week, I don't pretend to be an expert on, on uh, youth soccer. It's not, not what I cover on a daily basis, but I rely on a lot of people to, to kind of inform me. And I feel like I've been able to do that this week pretty well. Luckily, I've had a lot of people that have been able to answer my phone calls and answer my questions. So uh, it's been a lot of time, but it's been a lot of fun too. I've met a lot, I've gotten to know a lot of, a lot of great people in the city that I think are doing good things. I just wish, like you said, I think in one of your answers, like I wish, I wish that they'd all kind of get in the, get in the, get in the same room more often. Yeah. And that's youth soccer is really, I mean, I was a, a, a corporate attorney for eight years mm. before I got full time into soccer and, uh, you know, youth soccer is a tricky space and, mm -hmm. you know, if, if P one of the problems I think we've had just with the game in this country is people who don't understand American youth soccer and what goes on in American <laughs> youth soccer, telling people what to do and how to do it, mm -hmm. and then being surprised when it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that there's not things that need to be better in American mm -hmm. youth soccer or done differently, but you have to figure out how to get that to happen in a way that doesn't cause it to blow up, that mm -hmm. doesn't cause somebody to just say, what, you know, whatever, I'm never listening to you, you're an idiot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like anything, a, a rule or, or a mandate doesn't change behavior. Behavior changes when people learn and then they apply it in context and decide that they need to do differently. And that's, that's what we're trying to do within the league in a, from an education perspective, instead of saying, well, here's a rule you better follow or a restriction or a prohibition, because how it is in Austin is very different than how it is I'm in Milwaukee or in New York or in California. Yeah. I mean, you've definitely proven yourself. I think that's, you know, I don't want to say it's everything, but it's definitely part of the reason I think we've seen the decisions that have been made in the last couple of weeks is because ECNL has stood up and, and been a platform that a lot of girls, especially across the country, have have said, hey, this is a, we want to keep this around. And uh, I think that, that definitely says a lot about what you guys have done. Well, we have a lot. We have great staff. We have great leadership um, on our board and uh, we're trying to make the best decisions we can in a very challenging time. And um, we're going to get, we're going to get criticized for a lot of them and we're going to get complimented for some of them, but, and some are going to be right and some are going to be wrong, but we'll fix it. Mm -hmm. Austin's paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Christian. And uh, thanks Erica for setting this up. Thanks, Erica. Thank you. Make 
Replacement 